Hello, and welcome back to episode 13 of Pursuing the Cornerstone. Cecilia is back with us today, and baby Nate has joined us. He might have some wise words or mumbles or weird sounds that he makes, but we're happy to have you back on here. Um, I guess we can update Robert's pretty much about the same. Um, no update on the whole improvements or anything like that. We're pretty much remaining the same, playing the waiting game, um, and seeing what God has in store for that. But we've decided um, to start back where we were doing like chronological of Jesus's ministry that we started a while ago and had kind of drifted away from. Um, and so next big event that we wanted to talk about was Matthew 5 or the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so to begin, I'm just going to start by reading the first 12 verses because you guys know we like to talk and I'm not sure we'll make it much further than the first 12 verses. So we're going to start by reading that. So it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your word, your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <laughs> Cecilia, give us some insight, some historical background on this, I guess. So... This is probably, a lot of people call this the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached because we see him kind of laying out what his expectations are for the kingdom and as an overview of just the whole sermon, you know, taking things that that the Pharisees are teaching and expanding on them and making them a little bit more sometimes difficult to follow as far as like it's not just adultery if you commit adultery, but adultery if you think about it in your heart that way and I think the Beatitudes are interesting because I think growing up, you hear about the Beatitudes and you think of them as individual, like little characteristics that you need to develop. But as I've been studying this and learning more, it's actually like, so this is a quote. It says, Beatitudes aren't isolated virtues. They're landmarks along a path of repentance that bring us near to the heart of God. So for example, in the Beatitudes, you talk about being poor in spirit. And so you have to reach the point of being poor in spirit and maybe even recognizing like I am sinful kind of thing. And then you progress to the next thing, which is those who mourn and you're mourning because, you know, you are sinful and you recognize that sin. And as it continues, you know, you can see yourself becoming more gentle as you repent. And just it even is just a great picture of salvation and how we need to recognize how little we are in God's eyes before we can really do what God has called us to do, because it's not about us. It's, it's about developing characters and, and just becoming more like Jesus. Baby Nate has a lot to say here today, folks. He is letting us know that these Beatitudes are important. So you are saying that you have to come to the realization that you are basically n- n- nothing and that you c- can't save yourself. Well, and I think, and I think that's like the big thing too. 
like, you know, even, even to become more like Jesus, we do have to, we have to empty out ourselves. And we talked about this before and our hopes and our dreams and the things that God has called us to do. Or, I'm sorry, not the things that God has called us to do, but our, what we want us to want to do and do the things that God has called us to do instead. And I think that that's a radical, radical idea. And we see Jesus laying out his radical ministry here in this sermon. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's distracting. The life of a mother. No, I think that's really cool because one thing, I mean, we talked about it last week. I pretty much admitted like this whole thing with Robert. I originally like... I think, in fact, it actually caused me to drift further away from the faith that I had been building when things were going really well. And one thing that I've really come to the realization of the past few days, and I'm really trying to build on, and it's, I mean, it's something I don't think I can fully grasp. I'm not sure anyone can really fully grasp, but like, there's no other reason for us on this earth than to serve God. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's a radical thought in itself because we live in a selfish culture. We live in a world where you are supposed to be building yourself up, building your own status, building wealth building um, power, but ultimately none of that matters because your sole purpose on this earth is to serve God. And the only way we can do that is to start to build this faith that we we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. Like we have to recognize that we are sinners and we have to stop glorifying the fact that we are so great because we are not, we really aren't. And the church is so good at making people feel really good about themselves <laughs> But you should not leave church feeling good about yourself. Like you should have the hope of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But you should recognize that you are a sinner and we have all fallen short. And the only way to be redeemed is to truly come to the cross. And I think we see that when we hear like, blessed are those who mourn. Like it's great to be joyful, but mourn about the fact that we live in this fallen world. Mourn about the fact that you are a sinner and you're going to be comforted by the fact that Jesus already conquered all of that. He's conquered it. But we have to first recognize that there's a problem. There is a sin problem in this world and there's one solution and that's Jesus. Uh, I, uh, I, when I'm bored now, I listen to s- s- sermons and I listened to this one called Suitcase Sermon and it was t- talking about Stephen in, in Acts and how he gave this sermon that eventually led to his d- death. But the <laughs> preacher said, every time you preach, you should leave the people sad which is what Abigail was talking about, m- m- mad or g- g- glad. <laughs> so at some point there has to be that uncomfortable, oh shoot, I'm going to d- die because of my sins moment. And we've all had those moments. Like life became real f- for me in, j- in January. That's when it hit me like, holy cow, I can't do anything to save myself. And, and until you come to that realization, you're not going to be able to wrap your mind around what Jesus truly did for you and what grace even is. Because we talk about grace, but you can't wrap your mind around that if you still think I can I can save myself or whatever, or I can do something, you know, like being saved by works. If you still think that grace is not going to mean anything to you at all. Well, and I think, I think this is too, like when we're talking, so let's talk about the very first one, like blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not like, this isn't like, I need to hate myself. I need to be depressed. I need to be, this is just recognizing like spiritually I'm bankrupt. Spiritually, I am not where I need to be. Spiritually, there's, there's room for improvement. I think we always have room for improvement, but especially in that initial, initial, like, wow, I really need Jesus kind of thing. And 
And I think that's important to recognize. It's not a matter of God doesn't ask us to hate ourselves. God created us and he loves us. But it's just a matter of, look, I need Jesus and this is why. Yeah. And that's going to be a continual thing because I think even as we grow, you know, we recognize more how we need Jesus. and that. Can be- well, I would say it's not until we realize that we can't do it on our own that we're ever going to turn to Jesus because like we hear those verses where it's like, um, it's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, but we see that like blessed is are those who are poor. And it's because when you have nothing, then you have God. Like when you realize that nothing on this earth that you can do, no, no material, no act, no, nothing can save you. Then that's when you realize that there's one person who can, and that's when you start to turn to God. And so what, that's why we see like, well, it even talks about later in the verse, it talks about blessed are those who are persecuted um, and that we should glorify God through our trials. Well, it's when we are at our lowest that we realize that like there's absolutely no one else who has the power or the control to save us other than God. And I think that we have to really, I mean, honestly, we need to cherish those moments when like <laughs> we're at our weakest because that's when God's glory truly shines through the most. I love, so I've been reading a lot of books and one book that I was reading is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And that's a super hard read. And I tried to read it once and I wasn't mature enough to read it. And now that I've read it again, I'm sure there's things I didn't grasp. But one thing I love he said is to trust God means, of course, trying to do all that he says. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already, not hoping to get into heaven as a reward, for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in certain way because at first faint gleam of heaven is already inside of you. So we shouldn't be, you know, like turning our lives over to God just because we see like, oh, we want to go to heaven. No, it's because of how great God is and all that he's done for you that your life begins to change. But first you have to realize you have a problem and you have to begin to trust in God. And I think that goes back to the idea of I know for a long time, and I still struggle with this sometimes, I'm very much a people pleaser, hardcore. And so there's a certain set of expectations I feel like I have to meet. Or if somebody's unhappy with me, I don't like that. But God doesn't, I mean, God doesn't like sin. That's not what I'm saying. But like, so there's not, it's not like, okay, to get into heaven, I have to do this and this and this and this and this. It's not a running list of, I have to do something nice for this person today. And I have to give of myself today. And I have to, it's not like we've talked about this, like the good place show. It's not like a list of all the good deeds you've ever done. Isn't going to get you into heaven. And that's where like our love for Jesus should shine through in our lives. Not because we're going to get a reward for it just, but just because we love Jesus so much. And as we develop that love, we should be, Jesus should be shining through us more. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I've always, there's that whole idea. We talk about it a ton because it's something that I think about a lot, but the whole idea of grace and truth. Well, I always grew up and I would be, I would talk to Adam. I literally remember this as a kid. I would talk to Adam and I wanted to know, basically I wanted a checklist of what I had to do to get to heaven. And I always want to do everything perfectly. And the fact that there was no straight checklist of like, do this, 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 and this, mark this off your list, pray today, read your Bible today, frustrated me more than all get out because all I wanted was a simple answer of how you get to heaven. Like that's all I wanted. But what I'm starting to realize is there's that whole idea of grace in there too. Um, Like, yes, we are sinners, but once you have committed your life to Christ through baptism and you have died with him and you've resurrected with him, you've sat, you have made the commitment to give all things to him. And it's once you start to do that, that your heart will change, your attitude will change. And those good works that we keep 
good works in parentheses that we keep talking about are a result of the fact that you are trying to glorify God in every single moment of your life. And it's more of like that heart change that's going to lead to those good works. And it's those good, it's those things you do that other people are going to see. And that's going to bring other people to Christ. So we keep talking uh, about getting to that point where uh, essentially you realize there's something wrong or you have nothing. But the issue with today's culture, and I can be guilty of this too, is that when we get to that point, we search out other things besides Jesus. Mm. So if we're, you know, poor in spirit, then people say, well, I'll go get drunk and I'll feel, I'll feel better about myself. Or they say, I'm poor in spirit. I'll go chase women and I'll feel better about myself. But that stuff is so temporary that you're, you're chasing temporary pleasure for eternal destruction. When you Mm. can chase eternal life, with Jesus and be glorified through him eternally. So, so the question is, would you rather seek out these temporary pleasures that lead to sin and, to, and eventually to death? We read those verses last week in Romans, or are you going to be poor in spirit and search out these eternal being named Jesus who can eventually lead you to be eternally glorified through him? So I'm telling y'all reading has changed my life recently, but um, Crazy Love by Francis Chan, also another book I would highly recommend. But it's talking about how basically in the grand scheme of life, this is God's movie and we're all just side characters, even though we tend to think that we are the main character, right? And one thing he says is we have only our two-fifths of a second long scene to live. I don't know about you, but I want my two-fifths of a second to be about my making much of God. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we living our day-to-day, our every action, our every word, our every movement, to glorify ourselves in those 2.5 seconds, to build up our own riches and our own pride and our own confidence on earth, or are we going to spend the short time we have here on earth in order to bring as many people as we possibly can into eternal life with us? And oftentimes I think we get so wrapped up in the things we want here on earth that we forget that absolutely none of it matters because what matters is the, the part that you're going to be spending the eternity with God worshiping him. And that goes into what you want to say, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to make a very point, and my sister's faces are going to turn weird when I say this, but I'm going to say this right now is you can get drunk eternally with Jesus. If you read Ephesians 5 17, which I'll have Abigail read here. 5 17? Mm-hmm. Okay, Ephesians 5 17 says, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine for the dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the lord so when you're poor in spirit don't go out there and search this short time drunkenness that leads to sin and to death but seek out this spirit which is received at baptism which if you read john I, I love this. It's John 16, 7. And he says, but I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away for I do not go for if I do not go away, that helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So you can get drunk on this helper that Jesus is sending to you for eternity. And that baby is more powerful than anything you could even wrap your mind or mind around. Mm hmm. So there's my weird thought for the day. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit for eternity and 
then you then your spirit will be filled forever and you won't have to search out these short-term pleasures. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um so I think we should maybe focus in a little bit here on verses 10 through 12 for a little bit. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I mean, I feel like sometimes we get a little repetitive um, on what we're saying, but that's because it's super important and super crucial here and things that all of us have had to come to the realization of on our own. But if your life isn't hard a little bit, then you're not following Jesus correctly. And even if that's, I mean, we've talked about it a hundred times and it's a point I could probably repeat over and over and over again. But we as the American church do not understand what it means to be persecuted for Christ. We don't, we don't get it. And I'm not saying that I want our country to be less free to where we have to experience that. But I think if we experience a little persecution, then maybe we would be less likely to have this subpar surface level faith in Jesus because we would actually have to rely on him. And if you have to, if you truly have to sacrifice something in order to achieve something else, then you actually start to value that. Like if you work hard for something, you're going to value it more. And we don't know what it means to be persecuted, but if you're not willing to go out into this world and to act a little bit differently or to die to your pride or to not get that raise or to be greedy for money or to have sex every night or to get drunk or to be the weird one in high school because you don't party or you don't make these life choices, then that's our opportunity to be persecuted for Christ and we're missing it. That's what I was going to say. In verse 11, it says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So we do have this opportunity not to be physically persecuted, persecuted. but to be spiritually and emotionally and mentally persecuted by p- people when we are unashamed for the gospel and stand up for J- Jesus and proclaim his name and live for him. Yeah, people might crack some jokes. You might be ostracized. You might be looked at differently. They might make comments at you all, all the time. But I'm t- telling you, it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. If I I wish I could go back to high school and it, instead of worrying about what people thought about me and how p- popular I was or how you know my instead of worrying about my image, I wish I would have just lived for J- Jesus because. I realize now that was another t- temporary p- pleasure I was seeking out instead of seeking out eternal p- p- pleasure. pleasure. So do you have something to say? Yeah. So just to bring this back to the real world a little bit. So uh, critical race theory is a big thing right now. And there was a teacher, a PE teacher in Virginia who refused to call children some a pronoun other than what they biologically are. So like he wouldn't call boys she or boys girls and girls boys basically. He took a stand and basically said this is against he said against my religion and against Christian like God doesn't approve of it kind of thing. He stood up for it. He got the school board released him from his job and as a result of it like there's been a huge uproar now in this community and they're having all these um school board meetings and stuff and he's been reinstated but he was willing he even to the point of like losing his job, like he was willing to take a stand for Jesus. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. And, and so I do think that it's becoming more prevalent and it's, it's something that we eventually might have to face. And I, I encourage you to have the courage 
to stand up for those things because this guy is being praised as a hero because, I mean, there is a Christianity aspect of it as far as like the United States aspect of it because he, you know, he, we have first amendment rights and people are mad that he couldn't say what he wanted. And there are still people that will stand up for Christians, but even when it's scary, it's good to know that, you know, God's going to bless you for that. And people are probably more people than you think are going to have your back just to kind of bring it back to the real world. Matthew ten thirty two. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. And that right there is a pretty good reason to be unashamed for the gospel. I would say for those of you who are listening, who, you know, are like high school level or, you know, still in grade school or even in college, it didn't, it took me until the last two years of high school to realize that I didn't have to say anything spectacular. I just had to live differently. And so, you know, Robert talked about getting jokes, but the biggest honor I got was the jokes I would receive about like, all she does is pray all the time or like things like that. Like that's the biggest honor you can receive. And for those of you who are like in the adult world, living your jobs, like doing your life, like a lot of us, we don't have necessarily a lot of experience in the secular world per se. But I would say like, the biggest thing you can do is to live your life to where you're not pursuing those things of the world. So don't pursue that next promotion. If it means giving up your morals, don't pursue working every single day. If it means it's taking away time from your ability to serve God, like the biggest thing we can do in this world is to serve God. And if that means that you have to not work seven days a week, 15 hours, you know, every single day, then don't do it. Pursue God over pursuing the worldly things that we can achieve. Uh, I personally now, enjoy when people think I'm a little crazy. So when I somehow find a way to work Jesus into the conversation, they look at me like I'm crazy or they're tired of me talking about it. That's a compliment. I you know there's those verses that says I'm out of my mind for Christ. Well, if you're out of your mind for Christ now, you are going to receive a heck of a reward later on. Yeah, that is so much better than what you can receive by people, people thinking you're popular or being of the world. Yeah. I don't know, just looking at the Beatitudes, sorry, I I was just here trying to process how all this works together. But a couple things, I guess, for me, going back to what Abigail was saying, I haven't had a lot of experience in a secular workplace, but even in high school, one of the biggest honors, I guess, for me as looking back is like people knowing that I didn't appreciate cussing. And Mm -hmm. so they just didn't do it. Or they'd make comments like, oh, don't say that in front of her. And like, I appreciate that my standard of living is higher or that I have higher standards to where we can even make people that don't necessarily follow Jesus try to, you know, they don't want to offend me so that they don't. It's not to shame those people for their lifestyle necessarily, but like, this is what we're talking about. Like, when we're saying like serve the Lord and all you do because your sole purpose here on earth is to serve God, it doesn't have to be some like amazing act. Like it doesn't have to be you throwing the gospel down people people's throat. It can be as simple as you just live differently. And that's going to like, and it's not to point it back to you because that ultimately just points it back to who Jesus is in you. And that should be our whole purpose. Like, and church, like right now, the the rest of the world is so much louder about their beliefs than we are. And imagine how different this world would be if we loved people truly the same way that these other organizations are saying they love people. And if we truly like 
reflected that it doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be small, but it's huge in the long run and like bringing people back to Christ. And, and one of the number one th- things that people get mad at us or make comments about is they say we're, we're hypocrites. We're, we, we do one thing one day and then the next day we are out sinning with the rest of the world. And you know, like that was true in my own life for yeah. so long. But I came to the realization that it's it's like when you tell people you're on a you're on a d- d- diet. So if I go around telling everyone I'm on a d- diet, but then they see me eating j- junk food in p- public, well, then I'm never going to make any pr- progress in my d- 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 diet. Yeah, I- I'm still going to be a fat or or whatever. So this same is true when you. When you are b- baptized into this g- grace, yes, you have grace, and yes, grace uh, abounds. But to you, to truly make p- p- progress, you have to make a fundamental ch- change in your l- life. So you can't go around saying I'm in j- j- Jesus and, and then still live your old way. Well, I would say this is where the church is failing too, though, and I didn't realize that this was important. But it's okay to share your weaknesses and your failures with the world. Mm-hmm. Like we're, I, I feel like maybe we we missed a point here. But like we're saying, live your life differently, and you're gonna do your best, I'm sure. But you're gonna fail at points. And if we're not ever truly recognizing that, like we're sinners too. Like we can't just call out the rest of the world for their sins because we are sinners too. So I'm not saying boast about your sins, but. Don't be afraid to share them. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I struggle with this. Like I know Cecilia talks about how if her and Adam are fighting and they go out in public, Adam is very willing to say like, no, we were just fighting. Like it's okay to show your weaknesses to the world. And I think if we did more of that, there'd be less hypocrisy because we're not saying we're Jesus because we're not perfect, Mm -hmm. but we're trying to live that way. And even though we fall short every single day, we're still trying. And that's the beauty in it. Like we fall short and God's grace is there to cover us because we're, our heart is there and we're trying. But we have to show the world that we're failing too because that's where the hypocrisy comes in. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I just read something really good. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay, so Robert just pulled up James 5, 5 through 6, which says, You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. (laughs) So here's an idea just kind of playing off of that. But so if you are to look at like the whole world, there's so many countries in the world that like the rich, like the most high paying jobs or whatever, they get paid a dollar a day. And so even sometimes the poorest people in the United States are actually some of the most rich people in the entire world. And so as middle class citizens or even higher class or whatever, like when you look at at where we are with our stuff and our money and how blessed we are, a lot of us are those rich people that Jesus talks about. It's hard to get into heaven. And so I think as a kind of a radical idea too, and I think everything they've been saying is a hundred percent true being open and being real and, and vulnerable with people is so important because then you're not, you know, holier than thou type thing, but also like letting go of your stuff. So Mm. living differently, like, you know, maybe you don't have the nice fancy cars and maybe you don't have the nice fancy house because you're giving your money to Jesus instead. Yeah. Or you're giving it to other people instead or, 
There was something else I was thinking. But we are rich in spirit, I would Cecilia just absolutely unlocked something I could probably talk about forever. But I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back real quick to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, um, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. We live in a very, 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 very materialistic world. When America and the church tries to go overseas to do missions, we focus so much on the fact that we think people want things. But I can guarantee you that the people over there are probably spiritually stronger than we are. And we are probably the ones in spiritual poverty because we don't understand what it means to live with nothing. And so they are able to turn to God and we are not. It's that whole idea of weakness and tribulations that forces you to look at God. But we have to give up of our materials because it doesn't matter. Like we always sing, do you guys remember that camp song where it was like, that car is not going to get you to heaven or whatever. Do you remember that? Get to heaven. (laughs) And then you like repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking of that, but give up the materials because they do not matter. And like Cecilia was saying, that's a very applicable way. Like maybe instead of spending your money on things to, you know, make you look better or dress better or, or, or just pursuing money. in the first Yeah. Or, I mean, don't place. pursue money in the first Money's place, but make you happy. Yeah. Like, what are you giving your money towards? I think that's a super applicable way here in the church that we can do a better job. Robert, do you mean to read that? Well, I just, I stole his thunder because he was, well, this is the danger of us sitting next to each other. Well, it's more that it goes. With it does. Um. So James, um, five sixteen. So we were talking about how you should share your weaknesses with others, um, in the world, so we don't look like hypocrites. And this verse says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Can accomplish much. Yeah, I think that hits it on the head. Like, so, yeah. Well, I was just gonna. So I'm gonna rep this real quick because. I just think it's super cool and it's helped my mindset. So I've been watching The Chosen. Mm. If you guys have not, I've watched it. every episode. She's not a real fan. She she's only seen. I it. haven't yet. I'm working on it. I got a hot spot from the library to be able to do it. But for me, like I don't know if they definitely. I don't know if they have everything biblically correct. But just seeing an interpretation of the disciples and what they were doing and seeing it with my own eyes instead of just reading it has helped me understand just how broken they were just like us and they have struggles and they have problems. And Jesus laughed at them because of the, some of the stuff that they were caught up in. And I think we get caught up in stuff that doesn't matter, but I would encourage you to watch it because it just helps my perspective. And like Jesus chooses broken people. Jesus uses different kinds of people. (laughs) Jesus tolerates us when we do silly, crazy things and he loves us anyway. And just, I don't know. It just helped my perspective in a lot of different ways because it helped it kind of come to life a little bit. So we keep talking about blessed are the spirit, but what is our reward for living this way? And in verse 12, we read rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for the same way. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. So it says for your reward in heaven is great. Once again, we keep talking about materialistic culture we are and people lose lose track of this even people in the church i lose track of that people are trying to build up their reward here on earth but we are not guaranteed that at all our reward is in heaven and eternal life with god sounds like a lot better reward than being a Six million dollar businessman who can buy anything yeah. he w- w- wants. Well, and I would even say like money isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like it's not, 
but it's how you're using it and the heart that you're like going to pursue it. So like, if you have a lot of money, don't think we're saying like, that's, that's really bad. But I, I would caution. And I mean, the Bible cautions of that too, but you have to be willing to give up of your possessions. And I think that's where we get hung up is the more we have, the less we're willing to give. So just be willing to give up that and to give up that. But what do you want me to be reading? In Revelation 21, 1 through 7, which Abigail is going to read, you can see what what our reward is. It describes it for us. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the, and for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Oh, that's like a mic drop, but like a Bible drop. Robert just went, Bible drop. (laughs) I don't know about you, but, you know, we talked about this last podcast, but, you know, with what's happened to me the past couple of weeks, not that I'm in a massive amount of pain, but it's just been a great reminder that I'm extremely f- f- fragile and I can live. What's that? Uh, I- I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good, good time. You can live like that and die after 60 years. You can die after 20 years. You can die after 10 years and you'll miss out on eternity with God where there's no more pain and suffering. Or you can, I'm not here for a good time, but I'm here for Jesus. Put that on a I'm here for a long time. Put that on a t-shirt. And you can you can reap the benefits of eternal life, like eternity ma- 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 matters. Yeah, B- big t- 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 time. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, God cares about what we, what we do on here on earth because God cares about us. But ultimately, we just need to be trying and striving every single day to point everything back to Him. Because I said it like three times on this episode, but our sole purpose here on earth is to serve God. And so, once you start to see your faith come to fruition, and you start to have trials, and you start to have tribulations. Don't complain and don't moan and don't groan, but praise God, because that means that you're doing something right. And that means you're just working towards eternal life. So, I mean, we've talked about it every single time, but there's urgency here. You know, um, your life has to change and it has to, you have to start following Jesus. And there's, there's truly no better time to do that than today, because it's not about the amount of time that we have here on earth, because it's those 2.5 seconds in comparison to the rest of eternity. So change your life and start living it differently because that's going to point others to Jesus as well. And I mean, if you truly love others, then that's what you want. And no matter what happens, you can just always read Revelation 21, one through seven. And you can it's a be reminder like, of what you're working towards. Holy cow. That's my, that's where I want to be. Whenever I, whenever God comes back, that's, that's what I want to be a, 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 a part, part of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you want to pray? Sure. All good. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to spend time together talking about you. And just thank you for your son and for your great love for us, God, and for your grace. Help us this week to live out um, your gospel, the 
the good news, God, that people can just see that we're living differently and, and want to know why and help us to openly proclaim you with courage and just bring us back together again. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Robert. Oh, he has one more thing to share. We're not done. Don't go anywhere, folks. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? You're on the road and there's water everywhere, boys. Come on in. The water is fine. (laughs) Pursue the cornerstone, guys. Have a great week. (laughs)